welcome to your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. Join your host, Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth, and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host, Alexandros Megas. Hello and welcome to the 11th, what? 11th episode of Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. Now, visual as well. So, I am your host, Alexandros Megas. I'm host, Vincent Byrne. And today, we're going to talk about something that everyone is extremely familiar with. It's a single word. That word is fear, right? Vince, Vince, Vincent was ask, asking me about that because uh, we do get to talk about what we're going to talk about on this podcast about five minutes before we start talking about the podcast. That's how freestyle this is. It's gangster. And that's how up to date it is. That's right. <laughs> So you're getting the latest of what we think, which is scary in and of itself. So fear. Talk to me, Vincent. So I think with this whole pandemic, lockdown, all that kind of stuff going on at the minute, um, there's a there's a an undercurrent of fear pervading across everyone's kind of position. I mean, you've got fear dictating a lot of what, say, governments are doing around, you know, releasing the lockdown. We're doing this stepped approach where we're going back every three weeks and checking if it's okay and we go again. You've got them looking over their shoulder to what, say, Sweden are doing, where it seems to be more freestyle and uh, wondering, are we doing the right thing compared to them? Um, and then the people are looking at all of this and the amount of conspiracy theories flying around as to what actually is happening. And it's all been driven, yeah, part of it's curiosity, but every time you read something or see something, you can see like the fear is tangible in what is being put around. So I thought that it would be worthwhile chatting today about fear and what it's about and how it's created and how people use it and manipulate it. And clearly, it's been used and manipulated in lots of ways in the current situation. So that's that's really my my thing. That's what prompted me to raise it. I'm not sure if it's a question, but it's um, it's a topic, and uh, it's very relevant in the current time. Yeah. <clears throat> so first of all, we have to all agree. I'm sure we all agree on the fact that fear has been ruling the world for millennia now yeah we uh, any anybody who likes to think uh knows that and everybody who has explored any kind of history any kind of historical elements facts or fiction regardless they have a heavy element of fear in them we know that this is how it is, but in this show, we always attempt to figure out why. On, on the one hand, we attempt to figure out why, and on the other hand, we attempt to figure out how to address it, how to address the problem. Yeah. So fear is within our domain because fear is all in the mind. Of course, one might argue that everything is in the mind, and they would be correct. 
But this is something we all deal with and we deal with it on several levels. And those levels, the rabbit hole goes deep. Uh, because for most people, the fear is fear of survival. Mm. But even when that fear is addressed and put to rest, then all other fears start emerging, especially for the people, like I said, who enjoy thinking. Mm. Because thinking is a, a, a journey into the fear domain in the first place. Thinking starts, in most cases, with the motivation that comes from fear. How can I fix that? Oh, this just happened to me. How can I fix that? Mm. Or someone is chasing me in the woods. What can I do? Oh, um, I just realized that I am going to die. And I realized it in such a visceral way that now I can't get it out of my head and it's freaking me out. What do I do? So fear is a domain that the subconscious mind is very intimately involved with. Mm. So I, I get that it's... Um... It's clearly linked to our instinct for survival, whether it be a trigger to say, we need to get out of here, the saber-toothed tiger is close. But I suppose the thing that, that um, I suppose separates us from all the other species, on the one hand, the positive side is we have this ability to think, we have this ability to imagine, but it seems that that has now become the driver of everybody's fear. We, we now know we're not going to get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. So the actual likelihood of physical danger, as it would have been with the original ancestors, um, is now not there anymore. But uh, the fear that we have now is all self-created and perpetuated by people who know how to play that game. That's right. Well, I don't know about you, but if a saber-toothed tiger was chasing me, I'd be taking pictures because that's like brilliant Facebook and Instagram material. <laughs> yeah, you'd turn around with your um, your GoPro. First thing I do is get up on a tree and take pictures and video. I mean, <gasps> that's like viral in and of itself. You kidding? Yeah. You don't. You don't. <laughs> if I sacrifice my life doing that my life would have been worthwhile. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You'd be up there with Oscar Wilde and WB Yeats and all those kind of... That's right, yes. And, and uh, to mention my ancestors, you know, like um, Leonidas would be proud of me because sure. I didn't cower under the saber-toothed tiger chase. I did what had to be done, and that's monitor <laughs> <laughs> and share. And share. <laughs> uh, okay, well, to skip out of uh, the joking mode for, for a moment, there is, and I think we've talked about that, I think, in the, in the past a little bit. The subconscious mind deals with two kinds of fear. One is the factual fear just like the one you mentioned with a tiger chasing you mm. and the other one the more prevailing is the perceived fear yeah so the perceived fear happens because the subconscious mind just like a child feels that it's very important to for anything out there any kind of situation that happens uh, it's very important for it to monitor it and assess the possibility of danger. And it does that, it does that by uh, comparing different kinds of situations that you've already experienced. Okay. 
And after doing that, if he finds any kind of elements that might be similar with this, the current situation and the previous situations, it then categorizes that under the same kind of threat signal. So now being chased down by wolves or bears or any kind of wild animal might be just as real and just as threatening as uh, get the IRS sending you a mail that says, please pay this amount. <clears throat> so, so how can that be when one is so clearly a physical threat and the other one is not? Because the physical threat is perceived as any threat is perceived as a physical threat by the subconscious. Because it, once again, it needs to protect us. It needs to protect us, so it protects us the best way it knows how to, which is just disengage. <laughs> just, right. you know, stick your head in the sand or run or go hide or what have you. If you sit there and listen to the news that tell you, tell, tells you how horrible your life is, and how threatening everything is, what do you think the child is going to do? The child is there to come up with ways to help you survive. So if the child, and of course the child will be engaged every time he gets scared, he gets scared, this is what happens. It's an emotional reaction to a perceived situation. Any situation, I think, is a perceived threat. Even when someone's pointing a gun at you, right? That's a perceived threat. Mm. Because mm. you don't know what this person is going to do. Like nobody knows, right? So it's a perceived threat. We don't know if it's a threat or not. But it's filed under threat category no matter what, you know, just to be safe. <laughs> just to be safe, uh, you deal with that as if it were an imminent threat to your health or to your survival. Mm. Uh, so that is the question that is the easiest to answer. The problem is that in most cases, people won't know how to deal with this fear because they don't know whether or not this fear is induced artificially in them. The reason why they don't know that is because most people think and believe that everything, this society that we live in is, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, the the rulers of it, the media, the uh, the governments or whatever, they think that there is no way it, it is crazy that anyone would be lying to me just to make me scared. Right? That's crazy. It's insane. Mm. So if you accept that this is insane, then the fear must be real. Yeah. They wouldn't they wouldn't lie to me. So it they wouldn't lie to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's as if your child, you know, in the middle of the night, so screaming bloody murder. You know, I was, there was a monster here trying to kill me, daddy. Mm. And uh, you're like, okay, just go back to sleep. But the problem is that we don't have that kind of reaction in our everyday lives because we don't think that that which prompts for action because of the said of said fear is not as clearly bullshit. It's just something that we must address. And mm. it's even worse if we have no idea how to address it. Right, because that's what keeps us in perpetual fear. Yeah, it keeps us into a state of fear perpetually. Uh, and of course, when that happens, here's the next question why, once again, anyone would want us to be in a constant state of fear to control us? So we'll do what we're told, right? That's definitely um, one way, one reason. The most obvious reason, because if I'm afraid and then you come and say to me, 
okay, I, I get that you're afraid, but don't worry, I'm here for you. <laughs> I got you covered. This is what you have to do, just swallow this pill. Yeah. And this pill could be the blue pill in this, in this case. Yeah. <laughs> so in that way, the more afraid we are, the more susceptible to perceived solutions to our perceived fear we are. Yeah. But here's another more insidious reason. If we examine what fear does energetically to us. It weakens us. That's right. Why, though? Why does it weaken us? Because a fe fear exerts a massive amount of energy mm. because your entire being is trying to come up with ways to protect itself. So you are in what is called the constant fi fight or flight mode. Yeah. And by being in that mode, you bleed energy. Yeah. That makes you definitely weak, of course, makes you weak. But then uh, there's another aspect to it that the vast majority of the people don't know about, or even if they're told that, they wouldn't subscribe to it because, you know, it sounds like bullshit. And that is, if you bleed, look, once again, let's take a step back. We are all energetic beings. We're all energy, and this plane, the 3D plane, is an illusion, right? We are uh, dense energy <laughs> that has yeah. come, it, it has become dense enough to present, uh, it's like the blood that gets like all clot. you know what I mean, after you bleed, you know, it all becomes clots and all this. You know, it becomes. It looks like this part uh, of the of the blood spilled is now uh, an entity. It's now an individual thing. But that's not the case, right? We're all into this soup, cosmic soup of energy, and since that is the case, everything we do we affect everyone around us. And yeah. when everyone around us is affected by something, that can bleed into our energetic field too. You know, like, okay, because if, I mean, if you're in the, in the neighborhood and I release some kind of toxic gas in the air, you know, is it crazy to say that the, the probability of you inhaling it is actually pretty high? No. It's, it's the same kind of principle. So, if I'm bleeding my energy, someone else is receiving it. Mm. And that someone else who is receiving it is, this is where the conspiracy part could happen, where people are like, oh, don't even, this is, I don't want to hear it. Because people think that, how can someone first be inducing this and secondly, be using it? It's impossible. It's insane. But whether or not it's insane, the idea here is that if you are about, let's say you're about to fight an intruder, okay, and you're really scared and you're scared out of your wits, you don't think the intruder is sensing that? Mm. And what happens when the intruder senses that? He gets more powerful. Yeah. He gets more aggressive. In that sense... He is taking advantage of your loss of energy. So, in the most rudimentary, I mean, even if like you're not a magician who can really clearly direct energies and absorb energies, that happens on the most rudimentary level. It happens with animals all the time, right? What do you think happens if there's like two wild dogs or or any kind of animals confront one another? What's going to make one attack? the sense that the other one feels weaker. Yeah. Is afraid. And the funny thing is that when you watch these nature programs and they explain that dynamic, everybody gets that, you know, because that's between animals. Or even you hear that, you know, if, a, if, a, if an animal senses that you're fearful, then that will give them more of a sense of attack. So we kind of accept that. But what we don't 
seem to get is the idea that between one person to the other, that there is something going on on an energetic level which says if they sense that you're weaker, then they act on it. Now, they're not maybe necessarily doing it in a conscious way, but it, it impacts on their behavior. And uh, and that's, I think, the problem with it is that people don't actually acknowledge the fact that, like they'll say, yes, we are energetic beings, but they don't acknowledge what that energy means and what's going on with it and how it works, despite the fact that we're all been influenced by it all the time. Um, you, you, we, we can say stuff like when a certain person with charisma walks into the room, all of a sudden there's an impact and you can't put your finger on it, but you just know that people feel that someone superior, someone confident with very high energy has walked in the room. But other than situations like that, it's not part of our normal conversation that these kind of energy situations, energy exchanges happen. I mean, another aspect which probably speaks to to, to one of the um, uh, dynamics going on is that what I've learned is that within the fight or flight, even on a, a physiological level, your your blood is sent to your major organs and switches off your digestive system, but it also switches off your brain because your only function is to either get out of there or take on the fight. So your ability to actually think when you're in fear is another point of weakness um, on top of the energetic one. Right. When And when you say think, what do you really mean? What you really mean is critically think. Critically think, yeah. Words, what happens when you are in a situation like that? And thank you for this because you actually brought me to the next point. What happens when you are in a situation like that? The critical factor, which we have been addressing, yes. is a major part of uh, getting into a hypnotic state. The critical factor then moves to the side, right? And then after that happens, then the subconscious is fully wide open and responsible for what's about to happen next, which means that then the subconscious takes over. When the subconscious mind takes over, what is likely to happen? Whatever is prevailing within the subconscious mind yeah. is going to act. And in most people, what's prevailing in the subconscious mind is the programs. And yeah. when I say the programs, I mean the limiting programs, mm. uh, the stuff that everyone harps on, right? Oh, limited beliefs, limited beliefs. Limited beliefs are the ones that will jump up and say, oh, you know, bah, you know, stick your head in the sand. What, what am I going to do now? You know, it's like everything is screwed. Everything, what do we do? We just surrender or run or whatever it is. So the instinct, the instinct becomes something that doesn't make you powerful but it makes you more of a victim. Yeah. Now, if you have managed to step into a daily mode of being able to balance these energies and have eliminated most of these programs that are fight or flight programs, then, yeah, the possibility that you will act out of strength is higher. In this case, being that uh, instinct-driven person would not be detrimental to you. But how many of us could say that we are in that state? Mm. It's a little bit like I was watching, um, as I mentioned to you before we came on, I was watching uh, one of, I don't know, what was the born identity or something like this. And as I was watching it, I was thinking about some of the stuff we talked about. I was saying, well, what he's portraying is someone who has been trained and conditioned to such a level that when he's presented with the normal fearful situations, he is able to deal with them calmly where everyone else is losing their shit all around him. And he's able to capitalize on, on that 
uh, and use it, which struck me as as being, um, you know, the kind of programming that you want mm -hmm. to have got to, um, to be able to handle these situations. And that's what you're talking about. We're not practiced at it, whereas in order to get to that level, you have to actually be practiced at it. You're not going to walk up on a stage and speak to 100,000 people for the first time and it not be a problem um, because if you're not practiced at it, it's it's going to be overwhelming and daunting. Typically, that's based on the programming we would have. So, so when we're put in these very extreme, fearful situations, we don't have anything to fall back on. So therefore, we we do automatically go back to these early programs which tell us that we need to be quiet and we need to listen to what the person in authority has to say and we need to trust them and you know trust me i'm a doctor i'm a priest i'm a whatever so therefore give us these fearful scenarios and that's where we go which then it's not surprising that we behave like lemmings and we all walk over the cliff together mm -hmm. how do we get to a place where we're not likely to do that, given that the opportunity to practice it is not actually every day. <laughs> we're not going out, you know, hunting the saber-toothed tigers and getting into that kind of mode on a regular basis. So when one shows up, we don't really know what to do. So how do we practice? Well, we, we are going out there hunting. We're hunting ourselves. Or as Carlos Castaneda put it, we're stalking ourselves we have to be stalking ourselves we have to be stalkers of ourselves which means that at any given point like i know when i feel freaked out when something you know i have a problem by email and it's not <laughs> it's, it's not happening you know my host is screwing with me or whatever it is you get in a panic mm. anything that puts you in that state can be the flag the red flag that now you have to take a deep breath and start going deeper mm. and find out, allow yourself to discover what the threat, the real threat might be. Mm. And I usually do that by asking myself the question, what's the worst that can happen here? Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? So, so that's the break glass in time of emergency kind of question for you is it so yeah. when you get you get that you know this is where this is your go-to yes because look here here's here's what happens uh i think i've i've talked about this a little bit before there are two states of being one is being a predator and the other one is being a prey and of course in this society the word we talked about that i don't know when what uh, episode it was that we talked about it but in this society being a predator is um synonymous to being an evil bastard yeah right being an evil person because mm. a predator that's right a predator a predator is someone who's evil and does evil doings mm. now is that true? That's not true. A predator is, and we take that cue from nature, of course, a predator is that kind of animal that will be proactive about its next move, its next state. It won't sit there and wait and hope that everything's going to be okay. Mm. It, it will go out there and chase down what happens you know what happens next it's it's the the director of the movie director. so is that, does that apply to animals that aren't because the other thing like predators are typically carnivorous so they're that's how we would a lot of the time refer to them whereas animals that are you know like cows and whatever that are more docile and they're more herbivores or whatever they tend to be well they're basically the the food for the carnivorous ones but um what i was going to say was we can we can get it easily you know that a lion or a tiger is a predator in a 
certain situation. But is a cow a predator in another situation? If you need, if you if you have to ask this question, you have to examine what kind of indoctrination, what kind of uh, of programming uh, this animal has been under for millennia, right? Uh, by on a DNA level at this point, you know. Okay. So, so what was the last time an a, a cow would be seen out in the wild? We cannot, and for that reason, that that brings us to the next point, which is we have been overly domesticated. Mm. We've been overly domesticated because we expect that our owner, of course, we don't think it like that because that would freak us out because we want to believe that we're free. Mm. But someone is taking care of us, right? Someone is supposed to take care of us. And the moment they don't take care of us, we go nuts. Because how dare they? Because we need someone to take care of us. But the truth of the matter is that this is the definition of the, of the prey, of the victim. Right. I'm not suggesting that everyone goes out tomorrow and starts practicing like kind of, we're just we're just examining a concept here now how every one of us will get to that level where they're not feeling that they are vulnerable all the time is up to every single person mm. you know everyone has for example you know i i am making sure that to the extent that is possible for me, I become as self-sustained as possible. Right? Mm. I have chickens. I have, you know, gardens. I, I uh, my wife is a, a herbologist, whatever the word is. The kid, she knows. Just goes out in the in the woods and finds out, you know, oh, this is edible. Oh, that's good for this condition. That's good for that condition. You know, this is knowledge, pure knowledge, right? Mm. This is how you survive now. Most people in the current state of the world don't have the opportunity to do that. Why? Because we've been put into a situation where we're vulnerable. We are in cages. We are in apartments. We are in cities. Mm. And uh, the Hopi natives in their prophecies have said over and over again that when the big event happens, whatever that event may be, the cities will become cemeteries. And that makes sense to me. Now, once again, for someone who hears that and is not in an immediate position to do a switcheroo and become this other person, mm -hmm. what's going to happen? That becomes another source of fear. Oh, my God, I am screwed. <laughs> I cannot just go out there and start doing this now. It's too late. But once again, everything starts with who, who we are on the inside. Yeah. I'll give you an example. You know, we have countless examples of people throughout history, like Nelson Mandela or people like that, who have been captured and treated in ways that none of us can even, even imagine how excruciating on all levels that can be, right? We don't, we can't, we don't even know. We can't even imagine. It's unimaginable. And yet, what happens? These people, the ones that actually manage to escape this situation, all of them will tell you how empowering. They won't tell you. They will show you mm. how empowering the situation was because now they have a new sense of dealing with the world. They have a new approach towards the world. And the world cannot break them down just by shutting down their internet, you see. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. See, being able to, and that's something that comes with exercise as well. You know, it's like you're doing like your 10 push-ups a day or whatever. You know, you sit down and, uh, I mean, do you want to, you don't have to call it meditation. I mean, it is meditation, but you have to call it that. You know, you sit there and you contemplate who you are. Who am mm -hmm. I today? Who am I imagining myself to be tomorrow? Who am I here to be, period? Mm. If you keep on asking these questions day in and day out, 
answers will start popping up and you start following that rabbit down the hole and that will be progressively more and more empowering. Does this make sense? Yeah, so if I'm, I suppose the, the, the light bulb of sorts that came on when you were, you know, you were speaking there was that we have been conditioned to expect to rely on the system and all of the people who are participating in the system. And as a result, we've been we've become passive. We've become like the domesticated cow, as it were. And that actually what we need to do is to become more like the proactive predator, which is proactive about how we decide what we're going to be, what we're going to do, and how we're going to live our lives in a very active way. And if that means going off the grid, then you make a decision to go off the grid, but you are doing it from a place of empowerment because you believe that that's what you want, as distinct from just continuing to be one of the, the masses and um, accept the shit that's that's passed down. You know, the, the the like the how do you treat the mushroom? You know, tell it nothing and feed it shit kind of stuff. It's it's been it's been treated like that. And I get that. I mean, that's how religions, that's how, you know, governments, that's how kings, queens down to the ages have done it. They've created this sense of people, A, being fearful and P, B, having a sense that we need to depend on these people or we need to depend on these systems. Otherwise, we will perish. So our way to combat it, our way to self-actualize is to say, no, this is how I'm going to live. And I'm going to do what's best for me and those around me. And I'm going to do what I need to do to empower myself to do that, which is to do the exercise, but also do the thinking, do the critical thinking and do the reflection to say, how am I going to be my best self today? And then you build on that. Is that, is that a sense of, have I got that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and again, for me, it's especially lately within the past uh, couple of years i have realized that it is very important for me to get a sense of who i am and who i came here to be like i have my ancestors right the greeks they're behind me we all have roots we all came we it's important for people to realize and as i'm saying that i got goosebumps because it's entirely true all of us, we are the evolved version of the DNA of hundreds of thousands of years of knowledge, mm. of wisdom, of power, of mm. magic. And how do we choose to act? I mean, we are here, the, re, the, the very fact that we are here right now speaking about this means that we prevailed something within this DNA has managed to evolve and survive and overcome. Mm. What is that? I think we all need to find that answer because this is going to be massively empowering. When you know you watch the movie 300, which is based on a true unfathomable mm. actually event, uh, every time I go to my summer house in Greece, I pass through the place where the big battle was, uh, you know, Leonidas yeah. was, uh, it took place. And I can't help but get the chills and realize what did this guy do? Was he insane? He could have just said, yeah, sure, of course. I kneel. What is it? I'm, I'm a king, right? I kneel down. Big deal. I get to keep my kingdom, my queen. Everyone's okay. We're all healthy. What's the big deal? Mm. <laughs> but he knew what the big deal was. The big deal is you surrender your spirit. By doing something like that, you become subservient. Mm. By becoming subservient, your subconscious now knows that you are a slave and will act like a slave, because this is your new programming. And you mm. will act like a slave mm. 
will be your prevailing circumstance in life, you will keep on acting like a slave. And uh, I don't know of anyone who would want to do that consciously. You know, maybe maybe some people would. I don't know. But, you know, it's like the fully domesticated dog. You know, you look at them one way and then they – meanwhile, it could be just a massively powerful animal. You know, like I have, my German shepherd, I have German shepherds. You know, they could tear me apart <laughs> any minute. But they have completely submitted to my will. Yeah. Now, it just so happens, of course, that I love these animals. But that's that's something that is not what happens out there mm. when it comes to how we are treated by the people that own us. And by that, I mean the people who actually control the situations that we live in. Because that's ownership. If if someone says from now on, uh, you will walk around in a hazmat suit for the rest of your life, and because they said that, and because they give you some kind of you know, I mean, of course they're going to give you some kind of a reason, but you don't know whether or not that reason is bogus, right? You just submit, and you just become now that person that has submitted to this new way of being. Mm. And if you start submitting like that, then there's no end to that submission until, and who knows if that's even the case, until the threat becomes so visible and so obvious where someone puts the gun literally to your head, you know. But then if we all have been that kind of domesticated animals and we potentially will allow, you know, our keeper to finish that as well just mm -hmm. like the farm animals will do they're not going to put up a fight they usually don't or if they do it's a very surface kind of rudimentary kind of like oh please please don't kill me i will produce more <laughs> i'll produce more eggs um but this is i i know that to, to some people this is a, a very dark way of looking at life but i only view it from the perspective of being empowered versus being disempowered. And it is a choice. You know, it's a choice. And even with people say, well, you know, I had no choice because my family's, you know, safety was at risk. I'm not the one who's going to suggest that you act one way or another, but I'm suggesting that it's still a choice. You know, just like when Leonidas said, you know, F you, Mr. Xerxes of... Uh, Persia, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. I will not surrender just to be able to say that I saved the lives of my people. Because what kind of lives will those be after this point? Mm. But again, these are concepts that belong perhaps into a different era. But, you know, I can dream, can't I? Yeah. But I think the, the thing that's that's particularly interesting is that you only get to a place of being able to make that decision to make a stand like that if your conditioning prior to that builds your strength and power and self-confidence and all that stuff to a point where you will say, no, I'm not tolerating this. This is not acceptable. Whereas it's, it, it is the case that because we have lived the way we've lived for such a long time and we are, we have allowed ourselves to become dependent on the powers that be, that we will take it. I mean, you already hear it now that people saying, well, life won't be normal until, you know, we have a vaccine. And it's like, that's what it's all been pinned on. So there's been sufficient narrative going around the media to say this is what this is the way it is and people accept that despite the fact that there's lots of people when you start looking eminent scientists who are saying actually no this is not the way that it is but obviously they're not getting a hearing on the media so people are not getting access to it and therefore they're not taking on they're not even taking on the debate really because they'll just take what's fed into their living rooms and go with that. 
So I'm taking from this that the only way you can, as it were, create a situation where you are empowered to do something about it is to start working on yourself to consciously build up your own power, whether it be having routines around meditation, whether it be, you know, doing exercise and building yourself up, whether it's eating the right way, whether it's being curious about lifting up the, you know, those stones that other people don't want you to look under and finding out what is going on as far as you possibly can. So it's you're empowering yourself by virtue of the actions that you're taking. You're being proactive. You're being that predator. And that is the way that we need to be operating. We need to be training ourselves to bring ourselves up to that level in order to at least put ourselves in a position where, like Leonidas, we can make that choice. Whereas the way we are at the moment, we're not making the choice because it's just happening to us and been managed by the fact that we're getting this message of fear constantly. And we're just submitting to that. That's right. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would rather die by being courageous than die like a coward, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pleading for mercy. Yeah. But, you know, once again, in my experience, in my, in my view, and even in my experience as a hypnotherapist, examining people's lives when they go into past life regressions, these are the kinds of regrets that people have because they carry these energies onto the next existence. Yeah. You know, it's like you're packing your your suitcase with all this bullshit and yeah. you're taking it with you, hoping that in your new setup, you will have acquired some kind of wisdom that will make you go deeper and clean it up. But, you know, that doesn't happen by default. Mm. No, I, absolutely. I mean, I even on a much lower level in terms of the importance of it, but from a personal point of view, it's, 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 it's important. But, you know, when I decided four years ago that I was going to change my diet and you know, the, the the reaction that got in different places. So not eat meat, not do dairy, the whole vegan thing, except not been vegan per se, but just this is for me and for my health. That's what I've chosen to do. And I went down all the rabbit holes that, you know, basically confirmed what, what it was that I was, I was, uh, I decided for myself. And the number of situations, I've been in a few situations where sitting in front, front of a GP and, He's telling you stuff that he's expecting me to just take on board and accept because he's saying it and me arguing with him over it and he getting quite upset about it because I'm arguing and I'm going, I'm not going to do something. I'm not going to put something in my body that I don't feel is right. So therefore, you know, let's part company as it were. So, you know, to me, that's a good example of when you go down the rabbit hole of, of, um, or whatever rabbit holes, to, to be curious, to investigate, to not take what people are just handing you as being gospel, but challenge stuff, think about it, and then take action to strengthen and empower yourself. Now you've got the basis to be able to make an informed decision when the time comes, if you're asked to make that decision, which ultimately, when we come back to the question that or the issue that we talked about at the start, which is fear, is that, to me, I feel far less fearful. So when people start telling me to behave in a particular way, in particular when it's around health, I'm going, no, no, I'm not going to be afraid of that. I'm going to actually find out as much as I can, and then I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to do something about it. And I know that that's contrary to the way that 90-plus percent of the world's population thinks because we've all been conditioned to say, you go to your GP, he prescribes medication, usually for life or whatever. And a lot of people are making a lot of money on the back of the fact that you are not questioning and challenging and asking, actually, is this right for me? You're just taking it. 
Mm -hmm. Yes. And before we close, because once again, you you brought me <laughs> over the threshold. Just when I think this is going to be a short one, this is going to be a short one. Not that I want it to be a short one. Actually, I'm every time I I, I fear <laughs> that this might be a short one. Maybe we don't have enough to talk about. <laughs> but the practice has made it on both actually our levels to uh, not fear because the subconscious mind will take us there. Your magic will set you free. So what I do is once again, question everything, including mm -hmm. the statement. Uh, question everything, even if you thought of that thing that you're about to question of being God's honest truth all your life. Question everything and say why, 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 right? And with that, until next week. Well, let's be careful out there. And don't let your mind kill you. Thanks for listening to Your Mind is Trying to Kill You with Alexandros Megas and Vincent Byrne. If you like our show and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, then we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well. It would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media. So join us next Wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life. Until then, have a great week. Thank you.